Chapter Fifty One of the Golden Silence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson chapter fifty one sadie down in the courtyard shrieked as she saw her sister's danger fire wound him make him fall she screamed to rostafel but the fire would be at risk of the girl's life and the frenchman danced about aimlessly yelling to the men in the watch-towers in the tower stephen heard a woman's cry and thought the voice was victoria's his work was done he had signalled for help and though this apparatus was a battered stable lantern a kitchen lamp reflector and a hand mirror he got an answer away to the north a man whom perhaps he would never see had flashed him back a message he could not understand all for it is easier to send than to receive signals but there was something about soldiers at borj azuz changing garrison and stephen believed that they meant marching to the rescue now his left arm wounded his head cut and eyes half blinded with a rain of rubble brought down by an arab bullet he had made part of the descent when sadie screamed her high-pitched scream of terror he was still far above the remnant of stairway broken off thirty feet above ground level but knowing that the descent would be more difficult than the climb he had torn into strips the stout tablecloth which had wrapped his heliographing apparatus knotting the lengths together he had fastened one end round a horn of shattered adobe and tied the other in a slip noose under his arms now he was thankful for this precaution instead of picking his way from foothold to foothold at the sound of the cry he lowered himself rapidly like a man who goes down a well on a chain of a bucket and dropped on a pile of bricks which blocked the corkscrew steps in a second he was free of the stretched rope and half running half falling down the rubbish-blocked stairway he found himself giddy and panting at the bottom a rush took him across the courtyard to the gate snatching rostafel's rifle and springing up the wall stairway a bullet from maeddine's revolver struck him in the shoulder for the space of a heartbeat his brain was in confusion he knew that the arab had a knee on the wall and that he had pulled victoria to him by her dress which was smeared with blood but he did not know whether the blood was the girl's or maeddine's and the doubt and her danger and the rage of his wound drove him mad it was not a sane man who crashed down rostafel's rifle on maeddine's head and laughed as he struck the arab dropped over the wall and fell on the ground outside the gate like a dead man his body rolling a little way down the slope there it lay still in a crumbled heap but the marabout and two of his men made a dash to the rescue dragging the limp form out of rifle range it was a heroic act and the highlanders admired it while they fired at the heroes one fell to rise no more 
and already two masked corpses had fallen from the wall into the courtyard daring climbers shot by rostafel as they tried to drop sickened by the sight of blood dazed by shots and the sharp ping of bullets frenzied with horror at the sight of victoria's struggling in the grasp of maeddine sadie sank down unconscious as stephen beat the arab off the wall darling precious one for god's sake say you're not hurt he stammered as he caught victoria in his arms holding her against his heart as he carried her down he was still a madman mad with fear for her and love for her love made terrible by the dread of loss it was a new life to hold her so to know that she was safe to bow his forehead on her hair there was no margot or any other woman in existence only this girl and he created for each other alone in the world victoria clung to him thankfully sure of his love already and glad of his words no my dearest i am not hurt she answered but you you are wounded i don't know if if i am i don't feel it said stephen nothing matters except you i saw him shoot you i i thought you were killed put me down i want to look at you she struggled in his arms as they reached the foot of the stairs and gently he put her down but her nerves had suffered more than she knew strength failed her and she reached out to him for help then he put his arm round her again supporting her against his wounded shoulder so they looked at each other in the light of the bonfires their hearts in their eyes there's blood in your hair and on your face she said oh and on your coat maeddine shot you it's nothing he said i feel no pain nothing but rapture that you're safe i thought the blood on your dress might be it was his not mine his hand was bleeding oh poor maeddine i can't help pitying him what if he is killed don't think of him if he's dead i killed him not you and i don't repent i'd do it again he deserved to die he tried to kill you i don't mean for that reason but come darling you must go into the house i have to take my turn in the fighting now you've done more than anyone else she cried proudly no it was little enough and there's the wall to defend i but look your sister's fainting my sadie and i didn't see her lying there the girl fell on her knees beside the white bundle on the ground oh help me get her into the house i'll carry her but victoria would help him together they lifted sadie and stephen carried her across the courtyard making a detour to avoid passing the two dead arabs but victoria saw and shuddering was speechless this time you'll promise to stay indoors stephen said when he had laid sadie on a pile of blankets in a corner of the room yes yes i promise the girl gave him both hands he kissed them and then without turning went out and shut the door it was only at this moment that he remembered margot remembered her with anguish because of the echo of victoria's voice in his ears as she named him her dearest 
as stephen came from behind the barricade which screened the dining-room from the courtyard he found rostafel shooting right and left at men who tried to climb the rear wall having been missed by neville's fire rostafel had recovered the rifle snatched by stephen in his stampede to the stairway and sobered by the fight was making good use of it stephen had now armed himself with his own left for safety behind the barrier when he signalled in the tower and together the two men had hot work in the quadrangle here and there an escalator escaped the fire from the watch-towers and hung half over the wall but dropped alive into the courtyard only to be bayoneted by the frenchman the signalling tower gave little shelter against the enemy as most of the outer wall had fallen above the height of twenty feet from the ground but as without it only three sides of the quadrangle could be fully defended once again stephen scrambled up the choked and broken stairway screening himself as best he could behind a jagged ledge of adobe he fired through a crack at three or four arabs who had made a human ladder for a comrade to mount the wall the man at the top fell the next mounted to be shot by neville from a watch-tower the bullet pierced the fellow's leg which was what neville wished for he who hated to rob even an insect of its life aimed now invariably at arms or legs never at any vital part all we want he thought half guiltily is to disable the poor brutes they must obey the marabout we've no spite against them but everyone knew that it was a question of moments only before some arab quicker or luckier than the rest would succeed in firing the trail of gunpowder already laid the gate would be blown up then would follow a rush of the enemy and the second stand of the defenders behind the barricade last of all the retreat to the dining-room among the first precautions stephen had taken was that of locking the doors of all rooms except the dining-room and pulling out the keys so that when the enemy got into the quadrangle they would find themselves forced to stay in the open or take shelter in the watch-towers vacated by the defenders from the doorways of these they could not do much harm to the men behind the barricade but there was one thing they might do against which stephen had not guarded the idea flashed into his head now too late they were the stalls where the animals were tied the arabs could use the beasts for a living barricade firing over their backs stephen grudged this advantage and was puzzling his brain how to prevent the enemy from taking it when a great light blazed in the sky followed by the roar of an explosion the tower shook and stephen was thrown off his feet for half a second he was dazed but came to himself in the act of tumbling downstairs still grasping his rifle a huge hole yawned where the gate had stood the iron had shriveled and curled like so much cardboard and the gap was filled with circling wreaths of smoke and the crowd of arabs mad with fear the camels and horses tethered in the stables of the bordj broke their halters and plunged wildly about the courtyard looming like strange monsters in the red light and belching smoke 
as if to serve the defenders they galloped toward the gate cannonading against each other in a struggle to escape and thus checked the first rush of the enemy nearly all were shot down by the arabs but a few moments were gained for the europeans firing as he ran stephen made a dash for the barricade where he found rostafel and as the enemy swarmed into the quadrangle pouring over dead and dying camels the two highlanders burst with yells like the slogans of their fighting ancestors out from the watch-towers nearest the gateway the sudden apparition of these gigantic twin figures bare-legged dressed in kilts appalled the arabs some who had got farthest into the courtyard were taken in the rear by angus and hamish and as the highlanders laid about them with clubbed rifles the superstitious easterners wavered imagining themselves assailed by giant women with the strength of devils they fell back dismayed and for some wild seconds the twins were masters of the quadrangle they broke heads with crushing blows and smashed ribs with trampling feet yelling their fearsome yells which seemed the cries of death and war but it was the triumph of a moment only and then the arabs save those who would fight no more rallied round their leader a tall stout man with a majestic presence once he had got his men in hand thirteen or fourteen he had left the open courtyard was too hot a place even for the highland men they retreated shoulder to shoulder towards the barricade and soon were firing viciously from behind its shelter if they lived through this night never again it would seem could they be satisfied with the daily round of preparing an old lady's bath and pressing upon her dishes which she did not want and yet their mistress was an exceptional old lady now all the towers were vacant except the one defended by neville and it had been agreed from the first that he was to stick to his post until the time for the last stand the reason of this was that the door of his tower was screened by the barricade and the two rear walls of the bordj meeting in a triangle at this corner must be defended while the barricade was held these walls unguarded the enemy could climb them from outside and fire down on the backs of the europeans behind the barrier those who attempted to climb from the courtyard the gate stairway being destroyed by the explosion must face the fire of the defenders who could also see and protect themselves against anyone mounting the wall to pass over the scattered debris of the ruined signal tower thus every contingency was provided for as well as might be by five men against three times their number and the europeans meant to make a stubborn fight before that last resort the dining-room nevertheless it occurred to stephen that perhaps after all he need not greatly repent the confession of love he had made to victoria he had had no right to speak but if there were to be no future for either in this world fate need not grudge him an hour's happiness and he was conscious of a sudden lightness of spirit as of an exile nearing home 
the arabs sheltering behind the camels and horses they had shot fired continuously in the hope of destroying a weak part of the barricade or killing someone behind it gradually they formed of the dead animals a barricade of their own and now that the bonfires were dying it was difficult for the europeans to touch the enemy behind cover consulting together however and calculating how many dead each might have put to his credit the defenders agreed that they must have killed or disabled more than a dozen the marabout whose figure in one flashing glimpse stephen fancied he recognized was still apparently unhurt it was he who seemed to be conducting operations but of si maeddine nothing had been seen since his unconscious or dead body was dragged down the slope by his friends precisely how many arabs remained to fight the europeans were not sure but they believed that over a dozen were left counting the leader by and by the dying fires flickered out leaving only a dull red glow on the roofs the pale light of the stars seemed dim after the blaze which had lit the quadrangle and in the semi-darkness when each side watched the other as a cat spies at a rat-hole the siege grew wearisome yet the europeans felt that each moment's respite meant sixty seconds of new hope for them ammunition was running low and soon they must fall back upon the small supply kept by rostafel which had already been placed in the dining-room but matters were not quite desperate since each minute brought the soldiers from borj azuz nearer even if the carrier pigeon had failed why do they not blow us up asked the frenchman sober now and extremely pessimistic they could do it or is it the women they are after stephen was not inclined to be confidential no doubt they have their own reasons he answered what they are can't matter to us it matters that they are concocting some plan and that we do not know what it is said rostafel to get on to the roof over our heads is what they'd like best no doubt said stephen but my friend in the tower here is saving us from that at the back and they can't do much in the front of our noses i'm not sure they cannot they will think of something grumbled the landlord we are in a bad situation i do not believe any of us will see to-morrow i only hope my brother will have the spirit to revenge me but even that is not my luck he was right the arabs had thought of something a something which they must have prepared before their start suddenly behind the mound of dead animals arose a fitful light and while the europeans wondered at its meaning a shower of burning projectiles flew through the air at the barricade all four fired a volley in answer hoping to wing the throwers but the arab scheme was a success tins of blazing pitch were rolling about the courtyard close to the barrier but before falling they had struck the piled mattresses and furniture splashing fire and trickles of flame poured over the old bed ticking and upholstered chairs from the dining-room at the same instant neville called from the door of his tower 
more cartridges quick i'm all out and there are two chaps trying to shin up the wall maeddine's not dead he's there directing them stephen gave neville his own rifle just reloaded fetch the cartridges stored in the dining room he said to rostafel while we beat the fire out with our coats but there was no need for the frenchman to leave his post here are the cartridges said victoria's voice surprising them she had been at the door which she held ajar and behind this screen had heard and seen all that passed as stephen took the box of cartridges she caught up the large pail of water which early in the evening had been placed in the dining-room in case of need take this and put out the fire she cried to hamish who snatched the bucket without a word and dashed its contents over the barricade then she went back to sadie who sat on the blanket in the far corner shivering with cold though the night was hot and the room with its barged wooden shutters close almost beyond bearing they had kept but one tallow candle lighted that victoria might more safely peep out from time to time to see how the fight was going what if our men are all killed sadie whispered as the girl stole back to her and nobody's left to defend us cassim and maeddine will open the door over their dead bodies and then then you have a revolver said victoria almost angrily not for them i don't mean that only they mustn't take us but i'm not afraid our men are brave and splendid they have no thought of giving up and if captain sabine got our message he'll be here by dawn don't forget the shot we heard no the pigeon isn't our only hope the signals who knows if an answer came i know because i know stephen he wouldn't have come down alive unless he got an answer sadie said no more and they sat together in silence victoria holding her sister's icy hand in hers which was scarcely warmer though it tingled with the throbbing of many tiny pulses so they listened to the firing outside until suddenly it sounded different to victoria's ears she straightened herself with a start listening ever more intensely what's the matter what do you hear sadie stammered dry-lipped i'm not sure but i think they've used up all the cartridges i took them and there are no more but they're firing still with their revolvers god help us then it can't last long the older woman whispered and covered her face with her hands victoria did not stop for words of comfort she jumped up from the couch of blankets and ran to the door which stephen had shut it must be kept wide open now in case the defenders were obliged to rush in for the last stand she pressed close to it convulsively grasping the handle with her cold fingers then the end came soon for the enemy had not been slow to detect the difference between rifle and revolver shots they knew even before victoria guessed exactly what had happened it was the event they had been awaiting with a rush a dozen men dashed over the mound of carcasses and charged the burning barricade quick wings shouted stephen 
defending the way his friend must take the distance was short from the door of the watchtower to the door of the dining-room but it was just too long for safety as neville ran across an arab close to the barricade shot him in the side and he would have fallen if stephen had not caught him round the waist and flung him to hamish who carried him to shelter a second more and they were all in the dining-room stephen and angus had barred the heavy door and already hamish and rostafel were firing through the two round ventilating holes in the window shutters there were two more such holes in the door and stephen took one angus the other but the enemy had already sheltered on the other side of the barricade which would now serve them as well as it had served the europeans the water dashed on to the flames had not extinguished all but the wet mattresses and furniture burned slowly and the arabs began beating out the fire with their gonduras again there was a deadlock for the moment neither side could harm the other but there was little doubt in the minds of the besieged as to the next move of the besiegers the arabs were at last free to climb the wall beyond reach of the loopholes in the door or window and could make a hole in the roof of the dining-room it would take them some time but they could do it and meanwhile the seven prisoners were almost as helpless as trapped rats of the five men not one was unwounded and stephen began to fear that neville was badly hurt he could not breathe without pain and though he tried to laugh he was deadly pale in the wan candlelight don't mind me i'm all right he said when victoria and sadie began tearing up their arab veils for bandages not worth the bother but the sisters would not listen and victoria told him with pretended cheerfulness what a good nurse she was how she had learned first aid at the school at potterston and taken a prize for efficiency in spite of his protest neville was made to lie down on the blankets in the corner while the two sisters played doctor and as the firing of the arabs slackened stephen left the twins to guard door and window while he and rostafel built a screen to serve when the breaking of the roof should begin the only furniture left in the dining-room consisted of one large table which stephen had not added to the barricade because he had thought of this contingency and in addition a rough unpainted cupboard fastened to the wall they tore off the doors of this cupboard and with them and the table made a kind of penthouse to protect the corner where neville lay now said stephen if they dig a hole in the roof they'll find flag a truce sir announced hamish at the door and stephen remembered that for three minutes at least there had been no firing as he worked at the screen he had hardly noticed the silence he hurried to join hamish at the door and peeking out saw a tall man with a blood-stained bandage wrapped round his head advancing from the other side of the barricade with a white handkerchief hanging from the barrel of his rifle it was maeddine and somehow stephen was glad that the arab's death did not lie at his door his anger had cooled now and he wondered at the murderous rage which had passed 
as maeddine came forward fearlessly he limped in spite of an effort to hide the fact that he was almost disabled i have to say that if the ladies are given up to us no harm shall come to them or to the others he announced in french in a clear loud voice we will take the women with us and leave the men to go their own way we will even provide them with animals in place of those we have killed that they may ride to the north do not believe him cried sadie traitors once they'll be traitors again if victoria and i should consent to go with them to save all your lives they wouldn't spare you really as soon as we were in their hands they'd burn the house or blow it up and there can be no question of our allowing you to go in any case said stephen our answer is he replied to maeddine that the ladies prefer to remain with us and we expect to be able to protect them then all will die together except one who is my promised wife returned the arab tell that one that by coming with me she can save her sister whom she once seemed to love more than herself more than all the world if she stays not only will her eyes behold the death of the men who failed to guard her but the death of her sister one who has a right to decide the lady's faith has decided that she must die in punishment of her obstinacy unless she gives herself up tell si Maeddine that before he or the marabout can come near us we shall be dead victoria said in a low voice i know sadie and i can trust you she went on to shoot us both straight through the heart rather than they should take us that's what you wish too isn't it sadie yes yes if i have courage or heart enough to wish anything her sister faltered but stephen could not or would not give that message to maeddine go he said the fire of his old rage flaming again go you arab dog forgetting the flag of truce in his fury at the insult maeddine lifted his rifle and fired then remembering that he had sinned against a code of honour he respected he stood still waiting for an answering shot as if he and his rival were engaged in a strange duel but stephen did not shoot and with a quick word forbade the others to fire then maeddine moved away slowly and was lost to sight behind the barricade as he disappeared a candle which victoria had placed near neville's couch on the floor flickered and dropped its wick in a pool of grease there was only one other left and the lamp had been forgotten in the kitchen but already the early dawn was drinking the starlight it was three o'clock and soon it would be day for some minutes there was no more firing stillness had fallen in the quadrangle there was no sound except the faint moaning of some wounded animal that lived and suffered then came a pounding on the roof not in one but in two or three places it was as if men worked furiously with pickaxes and somehow stephen was sure that maeddine despite his wounds was among them he would wish to be the first to see victoria's face to save her from death perhaps and keep her for himself still stephen was glad he had not killed the arab and he felt 
though they said nothing of it to each other that victoria too was glad they must have help soon now if it were to come in time the knocking on the roof was loud how long before they break through victoria asked leaving neville to come to stephen who guarded the door well there are several layers of thick adobe he said cheerfully will it be ten minutes oh more than that much more than that stephen assured her please tell me what you truly think i have a reason for asking will it be half an hour at least that he said with a tone of grave sincerity which she no longer doubted half an hour and then even then we can keep you safe for a little while behind the screen and help may come have you given up hope in your heart no one doesn't give up hope i feel the same i never give up hope and yet we may have to die all of us and for myself i'm not afraid only very solemn for death must be wonderful but for you to have you give your life for ours i would give it joyfully a hundred times for you i know and i for you that's one thing i wanted to tell you in case we never have a chance to speak to each other again that and just this besides one reason i'm not afraid is because i'm with you if i die or live i shall be with you and whichever it is to be i shall find it sweet one will be the same as the other really for death's only a new life and i have something to tell you stephen said i worship you and to have known you has made it worth while to have existed though i haven't always been happy why just this moment alone is worth all the rest of my life so come what may i have lived the pounding on the roof grew louder the sound of the picks with which the men worked could be heard more clearly they were rapidly getting through those layers of adobe of whose thickness stephen had spoken it won't be half an hour now victoria murmured looking up no promise me you'll go to your sister and neville kiard behind the screen when i tell you i promise if the pounding ceased in the courtyard there was a certain confusion the sound of running feet and murmur of excited voices though eyes that looked through the holes in the door and window could not see past the barricade then suddenly the pounding began again more furiously than ever it was as if demons had taken the place of men it is maeddine i'm sure cried victoria i seem to know what's in his mind something has made him desperate there's a chance for us said stephen what i believe has happened is this they must have stationed a sentinel or two outside the bordj in case of surprise the raised voices we heard and the stopping of the work on the roof for a minute may have meant that a sentinel ran in with news good news for us bad news for the arabs but would they have begun to work again if soldiers were coming yes if help were so far off that the arabs might hope to reach us before it came and get away in time ben halim's one hope is to make an end of some of us it was well enough to disguise the whole band as tuaregs in case they were seen by nomads 
or the landlord here should escape and tell of the attack but he'd risk anything to silence us men and he cares nothing for sadie's life or mine it's only maeddine who cares the girl broke in i suppose they've horses and meharis waiting for them outside the bordj yes probably they're being got ready now the animals have had a night's rest as he spoke the first bit of ceiling fell in rough plaster dropping with a patter like rain on the hard clay floor sadie cried out faintly in her corner where neville had fallen into semi-unconsciousness behind the screen rostafel grumbled as a priest under his breath but the highlanders were silent down poured more plaster and put out the last candle though a faint dawn light stole through the holes in door and window the room was dim almost dark and with the smell of gunpowder mingled the stench of hot tallow go now dearest to your sister stephen said to the girl in a low voice that was for her alone you will come yes soon but the door and window must be guarded we can't have them breaking in two ways at once give me your hand she said he took one of hers instead but she raised his to her lips and kissed it then she went back to her sister and the two clung together in silence listening to the patter of broken adobe on the floor at first it was but a heavy shower of rain then it increased in violence like the rattle of hail they could hear men speaking on the roof and a gleam of daylight silvered a crack as stephen looked up a finger on the trigger of his revolver five minutes more were the words which repeated themselves in his mind like the ticking of a watch four minutes three can i keep my promise to her when the time comes a shout broke the question short like a snap thread he remembered the voice of the marabout and knew that the sisters must recognize it also what does he say stephen called across the room to victoria speaking loudly to be heard over voices which answered the summons whatever it might be he's ordering maeddine to come down from the roof he says five seconds delay and it will be too late they'll both be ruined i can't hear what maeddine answers but he goes on working still he won't obey fool traitor for thy sentimental folly wilt thou sacrifice thy people's future and ruin my son and me cassim shouted as the girl stood still to listen thou canst never have her now stay and thou canst do naught but kill thyself come and we may all be saved i command thee in the name of allah and his prophet that thou obey me the pounding stopped there was a rushing sliding sound on the roof then all was quiet above and in the courtyard sadie broke into hysterical sobbing crying that they were rescued that honore sabine was on his way to save them and victoria thought that stephen would come to her but he did not they were to live not to die and the barrier that had been broken down was raised again what if it's only a trap sadie asked as stephen opened the door what if they're behind the barricade watching listen don't you hear shots victoria cried yes there are shots 
far away stephen answered that settles it there's no ambush either sabine or the soldiers marching from azus are after them they didn't go an instant too soon to save their skins and ours murmured neville roused from his stupor queer how natural it seems that we should be all right after all then his mind wandered a little leading him back to a feverish dream ask sabine when he comes if he's got a letter for me from josette stephen opened the door and let in the fresh air and the morning light but the sight in the quadrangle was too ugly for the eyes of women don't come out he called sharply over his shoulder as he turned past the barricade with rostafel at his back the courtyard was hideous as a slaughterhouse only the sky of rose and gold reminded him of the world's beauty and the glory of the morning after that nightmare which wrapped his spirit like the choking folds of a black snake outside the broken gate in the desert there were more traces of the night's work blood-stains in the sand and in a shadowy hollow here and there a huddled form which seemed a denser shadow but it would not move when other shadows crept away before the sun far in the distance as stephen strained his eyes through the brightening dawn he saw flying figures of men on camels and horses and sounds of shooting came faintly to his ears at last it ceased altogether some of the figures had vanished others halted then it seemed to stephen that these last were coming back towards the bordj they were riding fast and altogether as if under discipline soldiers certainly but were they from the north or south stephen could not tell but as his eyes searched the horizon the doubt was solved another party of men were riding southward towards toja from the north it's sabine who has chased the arabs the others are just too late he thought and he saw that the rescuers from oed tolga must reach the bordj half an hour in advance of the men from the azuz he was anxious to know what news sabine had and the eagerness he felt to hear details soothed the pain and shame which weighed upon his heart how am i to explain to beg her forgiveness was the question that asked itself in his mind but he had no answer to give only this he could see after last night he was hers if she would take him but he believed that she would send him away that she would despise him when she had heard the whole story of his entanglement she would say that he belonged to the other woman not to her and though he was sure she would not reproach him he thought there were some words some looks which if she could not forget it would be hard for even her sweet nature to forgive he went back to the dining-room with the news of what he had seen and as there was no longer any need of protection for the women the highlanders came out with him and rostafel all four stood at the gate of the bordj as the party of twelve soldiers rode up on tired horses but stephen was in advance and it was he who answered sabine's first breathless question she's safe they're both safe thank god so are we all 
except poor Kiard, who's damaged a good deal worse than any of us, but not dangerously, I hope. I brought our surgeon, said Sabine eagerly. He wanted to be in this with me. I had to ask for the command, because you know I'm on special duty at Tolga. But I had no trouble with Major Dupre when I told him how friends of mine were attacked by Arab robbers and how I had got the message. So that's what you told him. Yes, I didn't want a scandal in the Zoea for her sake. Nobody knows that the marabout is for anything in this business. But of course, if you've killed him, we haven't. He's got clear away. Unless your men have nabbed him and his friend, Maedine. Not we. I'm not sure I care to, unless we could kill him. But we did honestly try to do both. They were six we chased. Only six? Then we must have polished off more than we thought. We can find out later how many, but the last six didn't get off without a scratch, I assure you. They must have had a sentinel watching. We saw no one, but as we were hoping to surprise the borge, these six men, who looked from a distance like Touaregs, rushed out, mounted horses and camels, and dashed away, striking westward. They dare not go north. I'd been signaling. From the broken tower? Yes, as you came, you must have sighted the men from Azus, but tell me the rest. There's little to tell, and I want your news more than you can want mine. The Arabs' animals were fresh and ours tired, for I'd given them no rest. The brutes had a good start of us and made the best of it, but at first I thought we were gaining. We got within gunshot and fired after them. Two at least were hit. We came on traces of fresh blood afterward, but the birds themselves were flown. In any case, it was to bring help I came, not to make captures. Do you think she would like me to see her now? Come with me and try, before the other rescue party arrives. I'm glad the surgeon's with you. I'm worried about Kiard, and we're all a bit dilapidated. How we're to get him and the ladies away from this place, I don't know. Our animals are dead or dying. You will probably find that the enemy has been generous in spite of himself and left you some, all that couldn't be taken away. Strange how those men looked like Touaregs. You are sure of what they really were? Sure, but since no one else knows, why should the secret leak out? Better for the ladies if the Touareg disguise should hide the truth, as it was meant to do. Why not, indeed, since we weren't lucky enough to rid his wife and the world of the marabout? Then we're agreed. Unless something happens to change our minds, we were attacked by Touaregs. Sabine smiled grimly. Do pray bet, he answered that I should find that they were not Arabs, but Touaregs. He will enjoy saying I told you so. That night, and for many nights to come, there was wailing in the Zoea. The marabout had gone out to meet his son, who had been away from school on a pilgrimage, and returning at dark, to avoid the great heat of the day, he had been bitten by a viper. Thus, at least, pronounced the learned Arab physician, 
it was of the viper bite he died so it was said and no one outside the zoea knew of the great man's death until days afterwards when he was already buried even in the zoea it was not known by many that he had gone away or returned from a journey or that he lay ill in spite of this secrecy and mystery however there was no gossip but only wild wailing of mourners who refused to be comforted and if certain persons to the number of twenty or more were missing from their places in the zoea nothing was said after si maeddine had talked with the holy men of the mosque if these missing ones were away and even if they should never come back it was because they were needed to carry out the marabout's wishes at a vast distance but now the dearest wishes of sidi mohammed would never be fulfilled the poignant knowledge was a knife in every man's heart for men of ripe age or wisdom in the zoea knew what these wishes were and how some day they were to have come true through blood and fire all were sad though no tongue spoke of any other reason for sadness except the inestimable loss of the saint and sadder than the saddest was si maeddine who seemed to have lost his youth end of chapter fifty one